Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. Week one of the high school football season is in the books. It was a fun one. It was an exciting one. We got a little bit of everything in week one. We got some Hail Marys. We got some uh, some crazy wild endings. We got some close games. We also had some blowouts. We had some upsets. We had some very impressive victories by some teams to begin the high school football season. We're going to talk about all of that week one on today's edition of the podcast and also take a little bit of a look ahead at what is shaping up to be another busy, exciting, well-stocked group of games in week number two of the high school football season. So we'll do a little bit of a preview of week two. But before we get there again, we'll take a little bit more of a deep dive into week one. And when you talk about game of the week, it doesn't get much better than what we ended up with for the very first quick trip game of the week. New feature that we're doing this year with our great partners at Quick Trip. And it lived up to the billing in a big way. I, I tell you, I am spoiled with the games that I've been able to go to in the last year, and especially the last couple games. I ended the 2021 spring season with that incredible performance by Fond du Lac, beating Kimberly 71-47, to and I opened the 2021 fall season with an incredible comeback by Franklin and quarterback Miles Burkett, capped by a semi-Hail Mary that uh, ended up in a touchdown with four seconds left. You know, the, the beginning of that game, it did not seem like it was going to be much of a game. Appleton North controlled things pretty much from the get-go. They Appleton North scored right away on their first drive. They marched down. Uh, Franklin couldn't do much to stop them on the ground. Franklin did score to tie it up. And then Appleton North really controlled the next uh, two and a half quarters or so. They led. Uh, the Lightning did 28-7 to at halftime. Uh it didn't look much better in the third quarter. Went into the fourth quarter, Appleton North still held a 31-14 lead. And Franklin was struggling to stop Appleton North, uh, North's running game. Cal Martini, the running back, Matthew Shuckelman, Division I quarterback recruit to UNI, really didn't do much throwing the football, to be quite honest with you. He was 4 for 10 for, I think, 29 yards through an interception. But he did a lot of damage on the ground. He had over 100 yards and, and was was gashing Franklin on some uh, some zone read plays. And again, just not looking great for Franklin. Their, Franklin's running game was almost non-existent. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. Miles Burkett in the passing game had, had kind of had some fits and starts. They had some, uh, some protection issues, and it just wasn't looking good. 31-14 in the fourth quarter. You know, it was, it was uh, you know, almost... It was danger zone time for, for a while there for Franklin, but they stayed composed. They uh, got a touchdown with a little over seven minutes left, I think it was. Um, beautiful play design, uh, kind of a rollout and then throwback uh, to the corner of the end zone to, to get on the board. And then they recovered a, uh, a pooch kick uh, down the sideline and scored a short time later. So they, they got two touchdowns in less than two minutes. I think their second touchdown came with five-something on the clock uh, to pull within one score. It was 31-28. Appleton North had chances to put the game away. 
Um, in fact, when uh, Franklin turned the ball over, I, I want to say it was a little over, or right around two minutes left. Maybe it was a little under two minutes remaining. Um, you know, just Appleton North had a chance to run it out. They did get a first down, but they got it pretty quickly. Franklin held its timeouts. They had three timeouts left. Got a stop. Appleton North is forced to punt it. And Franklin took over at its own 12-yard line with 41 seconds left. No timeouts, needing to go 88 yards for a touchdown or you know 60-some yards to get into field position in 41 seconds, no timeouts. Burkett hit some, uh, hit some passes. Uh, I, I think most of them, are, or at least two or three of them, stayed in bounds. He, he completed, I think it was three or four passes to get them past midfield. Um, they went for first down, so the clock stopped. They were able to get up, spike the ball, um, and, and set the stage. There was 10 or 12 seconds left. They were on the, I think it was the 35-yard line, and uh, Burkett stood in there, took a hit, lofted it down the middle of the field. Um, I, I don't know if it was a blown coverage or what was happening, but uh, Appleton North seemed to be in, some, in, in a two-deep, perhaps, um, and, and let Jocks Brooks kind of go down the middle Pretty decent coverage. The The defensive player was there. The ball got tipped, um, and it ended up coming to rest in the hands of Jocks Brooks in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown with four seconds left as Appleton North uh, just couldn't close things out, and Franklin won 35-31. Incredible performance by Burkett. You saw the video I posted on social media. You saw the interview I did with him after the game. Stayed composed. Ended up throwing for 368 yards, five touchdowns. Um, you know, picked up some yards on the ground when he needed to. And, uh, of course, a Badger quarterback commit. We don't see those very often in Wisconsin. But you can see some of those intangibles. You can see the leadership skills. You can see, um, you know, obviously the, the talent on display as well. An incredible performance and an incredible way to begin the high school football season. But it wasn't the only game that came right down to the end. Waukesha South had a Hail Mary to beat Janesville Parker as well. Tack, 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 Tedioka. I'm butchering that name, I'm sure. I apologize. Um, but he's a, an impressive uh, young quarterback that is, you know, maybe a scholarship type quarterback. He had a, a Hail Mary heave into the end zone that uh, was tipped and, and also came to, uh, came to rest in his receiver's hands for a touchdown to beat uh, Jamesville Parker. Baraboo and Alaska played a barn burner. Onalaska was up 21, was it 21-7 into the fourth quarter. Baraboo scored uh, with uh, somewhere around 40 seconds left. Uh, but there was, I believe, a celebration penalty, which is something we saw a couple times. Uh, Baraboo had a celebration penalty, pushed the extra point back, was no good. Then they recovered an onside kick and scored with, uh, I think it was nine seconds left. Uh, Luna Larson, D1 linebacker recruit, but also a very, very good high school quarterback, hit Riley Wea for, uh, for a touchdown. Um, so they scored two touchdowns in the last minute to win. Um, also, a somewhat similar situation in Evansville and Reedsburg. New era for Reedsburg as uh, Calvin Zenz took over. Um, but they came up short, an overtime loss to Evansville. And I believe Evansville scored late in regulation, maybe in the closing seconds. And again, they had a celebration penalty. I, I think I had heard a player took their helmet off uh, on the on the field of play after the score. Uh, so they had a celebration penalty. So the 
The game-winning extra point got pushed back and was no good. They went to overtime. Evansville scored first, kicked the extra point. Reedsburg scored and then went for two and came up short, and Evansville won that one, 35-34, I think, was the final in that one. So some exciting games that came right down to the end, but there were some games that weren't necessarily close, and they involved some pretty good, highly-rated teams coming into the season. Regis went all the way down to Kenosha-Bradford. Regis lost a game when Altoona canceled on them kind of last minute. Uh, and in the summer, Regis was looking for a game, and there wasn't a lot of opportunities. There wasn't a lot of open teams at that point, but they found a game against Kenosha-Bradford. Regis, we have them ranked in D6, but a good chance that Regis ends up in Division 7 once the uh, playoff field is determined at the end of the year, going all the way down to Kenosha to play a Division I Bradford team that had big expectations coming into the year. There was an article in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel by our friend Kurt Hogg uh, you know, with some eye-raising quotes, I think, from Bradford based on you know, what they have done the last couple years. They were, uh, what were they, 4-3 and three or something like that last fall. They had some close games. They, they played a tough schedule. Don't get me wrong. Maybe they're 3-3. Three and three, I can't remember. But, you know, talking about, oh, we're going to go back to the, the Melvin Gordon days and, and we're, um, you know, we've got this really talented offense and you know what? It didn't matter against Regis. Regis controlled that game. It was 27-10, uh, to 10, I think the final was. It, Bradford got close in the fourth and then Regis had two long touchdown runs to seal it in the fourth quarter. Hearing from some of the people that were at that game, or our friend Dan Barwick, John McNamara from Rivals, you know, Regis was the better, more physical, and more conditioned football team. And really took it to Bradford, who, you know, back to the drawing board a little bit, got to go back and figure out a way to get things straightened out because Southeast Conference play begins pretty soon. And that means Franklin, that means Racine Horlick, that means Oak Creek. That's a pretty, pretty tough top of that league, and you know if if uh, if you're having problems with conditioning in week one against Regis, I, I don't know what's going to happen against the Franklins and in Oak Creeks of the world. Um, you know you got to walk before you can run sometimes, and you got to win a football game before you can talk about being uh, a Melvin Gordon era football team. Lake Country Lutheran took it to St. Mary Springs uh, coming into the year. Those were our top two teams in our preseason rankings in Division Five. Springs was coming off a tough year in the spring uh, when they played. They, they lost three games then. Um, you know, we thought they were going to get back to normal, though. I mean, that's a, you know, it's a, a talented team. You got Billy Shrouth, one of the best linemen in the entire state, two-way lineman, Isaac Highland. Uh, there's, there's some good players on that team. But Lake Country Lutheran is at a different level right now. Uh, 18, 19 starters back from last year. Uh, Luke Hartle at quarterback, 42 to nothing. Lake Country Lutheran beat St. Mary Springs. Just an incredible, impressive performance by Lake Country Lutheran to begin the year. You know, we've seen Springs have some troubles early. Just a couple years ago, they lost a couple early games. And you know what? They came back, ended up winning a state title. So all's not lost, but not an encouraging beginning to the season for the Ledgers. And I can't imagine what practice has been like this week. Uh, with with uh, Coach Highland and, and his crew trying to get the Ledgers back on track, some other very impressive victories that we that we saw in Week One. Wausau West impressive in beating De Pere. Colton Gearing had a big day, almost 300 yards on the ground. 
The Pier entered the season uh, number two in our Division Two co- uh, in our Division Two rankings. Excuse me. Uh, so an impressive opener for Wausau West. Ellsworth, we knew was going to be good. Uh, they were undefeated last year. They were our top-ranked team in the fall in Division Three. But I don't know that we expected them to go and, and beat um, Superior 50-22 to in Week 1. That was a very impressive performance by the Panthers. Tosa West, speaking of impressive, you know, <laughs> I mentioned it on Twitter, and it was in our article that we, that we posted for, uh, for them as a nominee for Team of the Week. But an interesting game. They they beat West Appear, a very good team, sixty to thirty one. Tosa West had twenty plays in the game that they ran on offense, compared to eighty six for West Appear. But Tosa West had eight touchdowns on those twenty plays, and, and all of them, uh, most of them came from pretty good distances. They had touchdown runs of sixty five, twenty nine, seventy three, eleven. 79, 38, 23, and 93 yards. They averaged, uh, what was it, about tw- uh, 30, almost 30 yards a game, I think, or 30 yards per play, 30 yards per run. Uh, Waquan, Waquan Kelly had nine carries for 316 yards and four touchdowns. Alandis Pete had 166 yards and a couple touchdowns on just six carries. Their quarterback, Avery Dixon, three carries for 96 yards and two touchdowns. So again, I mean, they're averaging a, a, almost 30 yards a, a run, which is incredible, especially against a, a pretty solid opponent like West Appear. Westfield ended their 27-game losing streak. It was uh, one of the, the, I think it was fourth or tied for fourth longest active uh, losing streaks in the state. Always love to see those losing streaks come to an end. I, I think we'll see a couple of the other longer ones uh, in the state come to an end this year. Um so some some good games, some exciting games, some outstanding individual performances, the, the kind of thing that we come to expect in high school football. Unfortunately, we also had uh, the continued challenges and have continued challenges within the Milwaukee City Conference where uh, there was only a couple of games played in MPS last week, um, You know, games that had to be canceled because of administrative challenges with eligibility and, and getting players registered and, ed- and eligible to play still don't know what's going to happen with those teams. Um, the, the WIAA doesn't know what's happening with those teams. Uh, we have tried to contact the league office at, uh, at the city conference have not gotten any response. Um, you know, from my understanding, there's still a, a number of those teams that haven't even started practice yet. They haven't even been able to start because they, they can't, get kids eligible and registered and in all of the the administrative things that you have to do to 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 play high school sports um and we don't know what that's going to mean and we we knew it was going to be a challenge for MPS coming into the year already MPS schools have a number of challenges but then you stack on the uh, the the last 18 months of no football of any kind last year no contact allowed this summer by the school district, um, you know, kids not in class for the most part for for 18 months. Players scattered to the wind, you know, moving on, just deciding they're going to work. They found found jobs and you know, just all kinds of different things that that uh, you know led to this situation where um, we we knew there were going to be some challenges, and then you stack this this registration fiasco on top of it. You know, I, I've I, I kind of wondered 
for a while this summer what we were going to see. I mean, if you look back to baseball, there was only three MPS teams during the baseball season. So of the 14 teams that were supposed to play football this year, how many how many were going to make it? We didn't know. I, you know, I, I thought maybe we'd only see eight or ten of them, and we still don't know. Uh, it, it sounds like that could be the case, and if it is, it would be very, very unfortunate that you know only only some of those teams end up playing, but we're still we still don't know. It's just a, a, a situation that's up in the air, uh, but one that we'll continue to uh, to follow and, and provide some updates on. But let's uh, let's look forward. Let's look at this week two here in high school football. Our game of the week, the quick trip game of the week, as voted on by the fans. Homestead at Arrowhead. Powerhouse programs for many, many years. Clash of Suburban Titans. Met three times in a row in the Division I state title game back in the mid-2000s, from 2006 to 2008 anyways. Um, Homestead won the first of those and the last of those. Arrowhead won the the middle meeting. They've met in non-conference games early in the year before. Um, and, and again, just two of the, the powerhouses in high school football in the state of Wisconsin. Now, it's not, it's not Dave Keel and it's not Tom Taraska uh, leading those programs anymore, but Drake Zortman at Homestead, Matt Harris at Arrowhead, uh, they've got these teams looking pretty good early on. Homestead was impressive last week in, in scoring a win over uh, was it Germantown, I believe it was, right? Yeah, Germantown. Arrowhead beat uh, Marquette. So impressive wins to begin the year for both of those teams. And we get this huge suburban matchup. Arrowhead hosting Homestead in our Quick Trip game of the week. But there were some other good games nominated this week. You had uh, Whitefish Bay and McGuanago. Edgar and Stratford, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of hoping that that would be the one that, that won out and that would be the game I would go to. But uh, instead, I'll, I'll be at Homestead and Arrowhead, uh, not upset by any means. But it was uh, was really, you know, at, at some point, I'd, I'd love to catch an Edgar Stratford game. Just one of the great rivalries in the state, regardless of division, regardless of size. Um, Ellsworth and West Salem was uh, very close in the voting as well. Again, Ellsworth had a great start to the year. West Salem was impressive in putting a running clock uh, shutout on GET. Nina and Manasha, two longtime rivals that hadn't played for a while because of realignment. And of course, neighboring schools as well. But that's not the only big games this week. There was a lot to pick from as I was going through and trying to find five nominees for Quick Trip Game of the Week. We, we talked about it last week, but um, we get it again this week where some of these Madison area teams, and especially in the Big 8, not having to, to play a closed conference where they have finally the opportunity to play non-conference games, and we're getting to see some really interesting matchups. Wanakee last week took, hold, uh, took care of Madison Memorial, and this week the Warriors will take on Middleton. Again, one of those suburban Madison games that we would have loved to have seen for years and years. Middleton uh, was up on Bayport last week before Bayport scored three touchdowns, I, I think, in the fourth quarter, all by Tevin, excuse me, all by Tevin Montgomery to, uh, to rally for a win in that one. And, and Bayport, you know, I, I didn't talk about them earlier, but they lost five games in a row in the spring. We didn't know what we were going to get out of the Pirates, but that's a good way to open the season for Bayport. But uh, again, Middleton and Wanakee, one of those games that we're looking forward to. Two teams that you can almost see the lights from each other's field. 
Madison LaFollette and Monona Grove, just down, um, just down, uh, uh, Monona, uh, what's the road? Avenue? <laughs> I can't remember what, Monona Drive, excuse me, uh, just down Monona Drive from each other, maybe a mile, um, MG and LaFollette meeting up. Uh, Badger Conference, where, you know, two of the better teams in the Badger Conference, Stoughton, who might be the favorite in the Badger Small, taking on DeForest, who might, uh, along with Wanakee, you know, contender in that Badger Large. Edgewood was very impressive in beating River uh, River Valley last week, and they take on Lake Mills, who beat a solid um, Mineral Point team last week. So Edgewood and Lake Mills, that's a nice game in the Madison area. And then some good games elsewhere as well as you go around the state. Hudson and River Falls, of course, played in the, the Big Rivers Conference for many, many years. River Falls this year uh, in the Mississippi Valley Conference, but they renew a rivalry not very far from each other, of course. St. Croix Central and Elk Mound, uh, a couple uh, nice teams up in, in that area. Um, St. Croix Central, though, came up short in week one, but looking to get back on track, obviously. Uh, Spencer Columbus Catholic and Colby really liked that game as well. Another kind of small school game. Colby was impressive to begin the year. Spencer got a win as well. Southwest part of the state, you got Marshall at Blackhawk Warren. St. Mary Springs looking to get back on track. They always challenge themselves in once again playing two outstanding teams early on. The Ledgers travel all the way down to Darlington trying to get uh, get their season going. Darlington last week was a winner over Platteville. You have Bayport, uh, again, who we talked about, impressive in beating Middleton in Week 1. They uh, take on Notre Dame. You've got Cedarburg and Grafton as well. So some very good games uh, this week in the non-conference schedule. And kind of interesting, uh, you know, some some Southeast Wisconsin teams taking on teams out of Illinois. Had to, had to go down there to, to find some games and fill some schedules. So Catholic Memorial is going to play Antioch, Illinois. On the road, Brookfield East welcomes in Wheaton Academy. Evanston, Illinois, is at Kenosha Indian Trail. And then a battle of a couple Jesuit schools. you got Milwaukee Marquette going down to play Loyola Academy of, uh, of Illinois. So a little bit of a border battle. We'll keep an eye on those ones. Uh, a little bit bigger schools in Illinois. I can't remember if they played games last week. This might be week one for Illinois uh, as far as games but Illinois does allow more contact days uh, during the off season that that come in handy as they uh, as they get ready for their season. So again, a big game, a big week of games on the schedule this week. Uh, looking forward to getting back out and again the game of the week, the quick trip game of the week that I will be at Homestead at Arrowhead, a big one in the Milwaukee area. As you uh, as you saw last week, you can certainly play along once again on uh, WISFB Bingo. Uh, that was kind of fun to, to play along with each and every week. Uh, just, you know, some of the little peculiarities and, and little things that come up in, uh, in high school football. So, you know, you can, you can play along there. If you, if you get a bingo and if you can verify it, uh, send it along and, and we'll get you on a list to get you a WSN t-shirt out. Uh, once, we, once we get some more in stock, we'll, we'll get those sent out. So that's always fun. Of course, make sure when you're at a game, use that WIS. FB hashtag to post score updates, to post uh, final scores. Obviously, it's very helpful if you can identify the teams by their team, not just their their nickname or their Twitter handle, which doesn't always tell you exactly what that is. Uh, you know, time of the game, 
if it's a final score, all those all those good things are, are helpful when you're posting those updates on Twitter. Uh, we still have the team of the week and player of the week poll from last week going. Those go through Thursday at 4 p.m. We'll have our full preview for week two of the high school football season that will come out tomorrow. Of course, football Friday night after the games on Friday. You can listen to it on the statewide network. You can you can find the affiliate list on WSN. And, uh, of course, I'll be involved on that show as well for a segment or two. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're into it. it. It's good to be back in kind of a normal schedule, a normal cadence of, uh, of things going on in high school football. Uh, all, I believe all fall sports are underway now. Uh, you, you had soccer and volleyball that started this week with their competitions. So uh, it, things are rolling along. School starts uh, for most schools here um, you know, very soon. There's a few schools that have gotten underway already. But uh, it's it's good to good to be underway. We've got a big week of games in in week two, last week of uh, of preparations before the conference schedule starts next week. And and I did not mention, and I, I should have, and and will mention now, that this is also the first week of eight player football action. Um, not any ranked games on the schedule this week quite yet, but uh, you know some some interesting games, and we had a number of teams that moved to eight player this year for the first time, so they're getting in their first ever eight player football contests this week. So you can check out our, our preview on WSN, our eight player weekly spotlight that comes out every Wednesday on WSN. And of course, don't forget next week we'll have a new Quick Trip Game of the Week poll out. We'll pick three new games next week as uh, as the nominees for Game of the Week. You can vote on it, and that determines where I go. Friday night for high school football game. Week two is here. Week one is in the books. Hopefully, week two is is exciting and uh, and you know produces as many big performances and in games as we saw in week one. Like I said, I'm I'm spoiled. I've I've seen some really great games lately. If Arrowhead and, and Homestead, if if you go out and play a 17 to six game. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, it, it'll be a little, uh, little, little bit of a step back. So let's keep it exciting, uh, or at least close uh, this week. The, the bar set off a high with that Fondy and Kimberly game, and then Franklin and Appleton North in Week One. But it will be a, a good Week Two. We're excited to get back at it. Again, make sure you're checking out all the great content on Wisports.net. New stuff coming out each and every day. But that will do it for today. On the WSN Podcast, I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.